glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. <laughs> now you all know why I'm not in the choir. <laughs> okay. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We all know this line from the chorus of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It evokes images of power, praise, and reverence. The song commemorates important moments in history. But what exactly lies beneath those words? Specifically, what is glory? What does it mean? Stay tuned to this episode of the Bible Basics Podcast, where we'll answer those questions and more. Well, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Jackie Adewale, and this is the Bible Basics Podcast, where weekly we break down the Bible into understandable, bite-sized chunks. I can't think of the last time I used the word glory in my day-to-day conversation. Maybe when I see something magnificent like the sunset over Montego Bay or a mesmerizing ballet performance, I might describe it as glorious. However, in the context of church or other Christian discourse, glory takes on a special role. From worship songs to hymns and prayers, we use it often. Also, it's thrown out easily in Christian speech, what I call churchisms. Like when you compliment or congratulate someone and they say, to God be the glory. And most importantly, the word is used approximately 600 times in our Bible. But what exactly does glory mean? And how does understanding glory help us develop a deeper relationship with the God of the Bible? Let's discover those answers together. To understand the concept of glory in the Bible, we'll first look at the word origins. Recall that the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. If you need a refresher on that, check out the podcast episode on Bible translations. It'll be in the show notes. There are 20 Greek and Hebrew words that are each translated in the scripture to the English word glory. Each of them have different shades of meaning related to God, man, and things. This allows glory to be used in a number of different ways. There are three most frequent usages associated with God. Those are the ones we're going to be focusing on today. The first one is related to God's attributes. They include his, um, God's weightiness, his honor, and beauty. Then there's the, um, the second that describes the tangible presence of God as glory. And the third use of glory is it's an action such as to give glory to God or to glory in God. So we'll categorize the most frequently used meanings into these three distinctive focuses. First, as an attribute of God. Second, regarding his presence. And thirdly, as an action towards God. So let's start with glory as an attribute. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word kavod, spelled K-A-B-O-D, 
describes glory as a heavy weight, like the possessions of a wealthy individual. If he weighed them, they'd be very heavy. The richer he was, the more his possessions would weigh. With this wealth came a degree of clout or a heavy influence upon others in the community. He was honored. Now, if you were a teenager of my generation and you would see someone who's just excelling, doing amazing in their particular field, you might say, wow, that dude is heavy. (laughs) It's something or someone that's beyond belief. Today, you might use the word awesome. That's a similar concept to glory, but falls far short. As we'll see in passages like Genesis 31, glory was attributed to humans as well, underscoring their significance. But the most common usage of the words glory in the Bible is not referring to people, but to God. His glory encompasses weightiness. His weightiness is defined as greatness, and it includes every aspect of his character. It includes his honor and indescribable beauty. There is none like him. He is beyond human understanding. We can never even perceive this. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now let's go a little further and discuss the second usage that refers to the tangible presence of God. The Old Testament often links God's glory with his presence. It was seen in occurrences like clouds and fire. For instance, at Mount Sinai, God's glory was shown to Israel as both a cloud and fire. This divine glory is also associated with the tabernacle and the temple. Exodus 40, 34 reads, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Prophetic visions describe this glory as well. As the prophet Ezekiel was proclaiming visions about the fate of Jerusalem and the temple, he said in chapter 10, verse 4, Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. The clouds filled the temple, and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of God. In the New Testament, the most common Greek equivalent word is doxa, D-O-X-A. Here we see the glory of God the Father fully expressed in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 reads, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Peter, James, and John had a glimpse of this unveiled glory on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. Jesus' life Teachings and sacrificial death radiate God's glory. Notably, John 1.14 captures this idea. It states, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, in Jesus, the fullness of God's glory is made visible to humanity. 
One writer said that glory is when God goes public with his beauty. Now, the third um, usage of the word glory is as an action. To glory is to place confidence in someone or something. It could mean to boast or praise. When directed towards God or Christ, this is an appropriate act. However, glorifying in yourself is considered sinful. Most biblical references to giving glory to God occur within the context of worship. The appropriate human response to God is to give him glory. That's why we say, to God be the glory. This confesses our unworthiness and expresses respect for his majesty, his power, and his authority. It takes the focus off of us and to God where it belongs. We see that in the book of Psalms. In Psalms 86, David says, All the nations you have made will come and worship you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. And 115.1, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Finally, in 1 Corinthians, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that is what's happening when we proclaim glory, glory, hallelujah. We're giving God's complete praise for all that he is. Now, in conclusion, we want to break down these ideas, and we find that the Bible's meaning of glory comes together in three important ways. As an attribute of God describing his weightiness, beauty, and honor. Second, regarding his tangible presence. And thirdly, as an action towards God. Reflecting on that multifaceted nature of God's glory It deepens our understanding of his character. It shifts our perception of him to being a God who transcends his creation and at the same time is intimately involved with us. Do you know there's even a scripture that says he has numbered the very hairs on our head? This realization leads us to develop a deeper relationship with God and to align our lives with his purposes and live in a way that reflects his glory to others. Let's end this episode with a reading from Jude 24 and 25. Those are the last two verses before the book of Revelation. These verses are a doxology. That's a hymn or a verse that glorifies God. Doxology is a combination of two Greek words, doxa, which we just discovered means glory, and lagos, which means word. And it reads, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. 
Amen. As we listen to that doxology, we can see that ultimately, glory reminds us of God's immeasurable worthiness of all of our worship and praise. Thank you for tuning in. If this has been beneficial to you, please share it with others. Subscribe or follow. And all of you Apple Podcast listeners, drop us a review.